What is up, everybody? We have reached the season finale of season two of the Late Afternoon Show. I am your host, Tim Olari. I am eternally grateful if you have joined us for this entire journey. Thank you so much. And we wrap the season's episode with a boss. Some call her professor, some call her counsel, some call her, you know, boss or CEO. But what you are going to do is put some respect on her name. This is Tanya Evans. She is coming to us on the last episode of season two of the Late Afternoon Show talking about cryptocurrency, intellectual property, meaningful work, entrepreneurship. I mean, just so much gold, so much gems in this episode. If anything resonates with you as meaningful today, please consider liking, subscribing, following us, downloading an episode and joining our community at MrMeaningfulWork.com. That is MrMeaningfulWork.com. We really appreciate it. And we want to hear your thoughts in the comments, in a review, by you sharing it. It really, really means a lot. And we will be seeing you. Professor Tanya Evans! Hey, Tanya in the house. There's only so much you can do on on virtual dancing. Like you, you got your top half, you got your hands. That's all you can really do. But you 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 were you were vibing. How are you doing today, Prof? I tried to do the most. I tried to bring it for you, sir. I am doing excellent. Treating Tuesday like it's a Friday. Let's go. Let's go. Exactly. You don't have to wait till Friday to experience the joys of whatever folks are waiting for for the weekend, right? Folks are thinking about chilling, relaxing. Why wait till Friday? Just do it now. You've worked hard. You deserve it, right? Look, if the pandemic taught us anything, it's celebrate every day like it's the day. And 100%. Bring intentionality to every day by enjoying the moment. So it's all good. I'm good. How 100%. You 100%. 100%. Thank you. I love your background, by the way. Your aesthetics. You got the sunflowers there. You got the books. I have this one fake plant that I put here literally today for you. I was like, I've seen all your aesthetics and the things that you do. It's like, I can't just come in here in a janky old shed. Let me put a suit on. Let me put a fake flower here real quick so I can match match the vibe. So Magnificent. <laughs> Magnifique. Yes. yes. Uh, so, Professor Tanya, I read a very lengthy bio, and it is probably not even doing justice to the things that you have done, the things that you're currently doing. Um, would you mind just telling us real quick, um, of all the things that you have going on, what are you most excited about these days? Look, at my essence, I'm a writer, a speaker, a teacher and a lifelong learner, and I know you you are as well. And so all of those things and whatever the fancy degrees and the pedigrees and all that, you push that aside. You know, I just it makes my heart sing to be connected and to have nice. community and anything that I do professionally has to resonate with that energy. So that's, that's basically at my essence, that's who I am. And the Not thing that's making me most excited now I talk a lot uh, like you do about the future of work and, and what that looks like. And I'm, you know, it's like young on the outside, but I'm a seasoned person. I'm a woman of a certain number of years. So. That's, some good, that's some good seasoning. That is some good seasoning, Prof. That, man, let me get some of that. Uh, let me get some of that seasoning. Anybody else want some of the seasoning that she has? <laughs> I appreciate that. It's like you got to hold on to something. Let, yes. let the black not crack, at least. Let's let yes. let's <laughs> well, I've had enough years on this planet to oh. really be excited about the next version of myself mm. and what that means to be the fullness of myself with all of the experience and the expertise, but still be intellectually curious and not afraid to learn something new. And that has translated over these last few years. I know we'll get into it later, but to really cr create a new lane for myself in academia and in mm. law with something mm. I hadn't really planned for. And that is really focusing on Web 3.0, um, the future of money. And we'll talk about that later and what that means. So I'm most excited <laughs> about getting to really reinvent myself and to remain relevant and still ahead of the curve, even when I'm dealing with something relatively new. So that's where my mindset is right now, just focused on being intellectually curious, 
figuring it out, expertizing myself in whatever this new iteration of law and finance and technology, the intersection yeah. of that. I'm really excited about that. I want to I want to ask you something because you touched on something that <clears throat> I think is very interesting and it's been a little bit of a theme in the last few conversations that I've had and that is the idea of reinventing yourself. So, I mean, we were joking and laughing as far as the seasoning and if we can get some of that, but what would you say to folks that maybe are not as seasoned that are thinking about reinventing themselves, right? So, it's like some folks are early in their career, maybe not have put enough tracks, you know, on the road, but feel like they need to change or reinvent or figure out what their lane is. Um, any advice you would give to folks that are, are, are kind of at that crossroads? Yeah, there are a couple of things. And it's great that you point that out because the generation I'm Gen X, but the generation before me stayed at a job for 30 years. Evidently there was some gold watch involved and some promotion. Yeah. Like people paid to <laughs> I don't even understand what that means, right? In the last 20 years, I've probably worked at seven different places and created multiple streams of revenue for myself, which required me to figure out I, I had to prepare myself not for the jobs that existed today, mm. but the things that yet. That's the way that I treat my students to prepare them to be future lawyers of the world, not to represent necessarily clients that exist today. That's great. But when you really put yourself ahead of the curve, you're figuring out something that people will need that doesn't quite exist yet. And that requires mm -hmm. you to leave a lot of space to figure out what are people complaining about? What's the problem that you can solve? As a lawyer, I'm a problem solver. And so it's focusing on what are the areas where there's some, we call it kind of in the crypto space is friction. What's, yeah. the, what's the impediment to me meaningfully participating in X, Y, and Z? Yes. And everybody can do that in their respective lane, their particular sector or industry. Where are the stop gaps? Where are the things where people are running up against a brick wall and can you provide a solution to either mm completely eradicate the brick wall, get around it, get under it. Like, what's the solution? And so focusing on the solutions, uh, oftentimes people are still dealing with problems and that's how you can get ahead as well. While people are either complaining about the problems, stuck in the problem, you are problem solving around, under, over, through the problem, and yeah. then you exercise yourself and create value. So that, that would be a recommendation for sure. That is so it, I, I probably two, maybe three weeks ago, I had a session with a brand strategist. I was really trying to figure out um, this Mr. Meaningful Work brand that I'm creating. I want to understand who my audience is and how to create content that is valuable to them. And one of the things that one of the exercises that she did uh, for me was talk about exactly that. And when you think about your customers, when you think about your audience, some of them are problem oriented and some of them are solution oriented and some of them are kind of in the middle. And so you want to be able to <clears throat> tailor your communication or tailor your content, keeping in mind where some folks are. Some folks are just looking at like, I can't move. I This is a problem. This is a complication that I have right now. And I'm just kind of worried about this versus what are the things, the people, the resources, the education that'll help me, you know, on a solution side, and there are pockets of, of value to be created in each of those things. So um, it, it's very cool that you pointed that kind of value uh, value add for those that are problem oriented and folks that are solution oriented um, in that space. Um, and, and one of the big things right now <clears throat> that is probably confusing a lot of folks is this whole cryptocurrency nft like everybody even me i am i saw this guy make 70 million dollars on some jpeg and you know somebody else you know jack is about to sell his tweet for who knows how many millions of dollars i'm like yo what am i what can i what can i do how do i get into this without really understanding um what that is so in, in layman's terms, would you be able to just provide what are the things that folks should be thinking about when it comes to cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, blockchain, NFTs? Is there like a basic kind of foundational mindset folks should have about this stuff? Yeah, well, at its essence, when you think about cryptocurrency, it's another <laughs> way to interact and transact with someone else without having what we call an intermediary, something like a bank 
or some of a government, and it's not against the government per se, although some may differ with me. I'm look, I'm a lawyer with a law degree and barred in, in four states. I'm not trying to lose my license. So everything <laughs> I do is legal and compliant. But think about the way people used to transact with each other before a bank, before organized government in some sense. We lived in smaller circles in a community um, that consisted of people who we knew and trusted, right? And yeah. everybody brought something different to the party, the proverbial party. Yeah. Some people were raising sheep and goats. Some were cobblers creating, uh, making shoes. Some had the corner store. Some were masons. Some were building. And everybody had a skill and they could exchange through barter. And as society started to grow and expand beyond their small circles of trust, they needed a way to continue to transact in business without knowing the tribe that's in another area or someone in another hamlet or town or city or state or country. And what emerged in addition to organized government were these intermediaries, banks, various levels of banks, actually, to say, I might not know Tim, but I know USAA or I know, you know, whatever bank, fill in the fill in the blank of a yeah. bank. Yeah. And so that trusted institution permitted us to transact. And if anything went wrong, we they would, you know, we'd hold them accountable. They were FDIC insured, et cetera, et cetera. Fast forward to cryptocurrency that actually goes back to some of those old days. Hmm. And also think about um, late 90s, early 2000s, probably more than late 90s. Um, when peer-to-peer technology came on the scene and it was a way for Napster and Grocksters and BitTorrent yeah. Yeah. to remove those <laughs> intermediaries that were charging a boatload of money for very little content. Mm-hmm. And so those peer-to-peer technologies allowed us to um, transact in information. The internet also did that as well. What we can now do with blockchains and cryptocurrency is to transact in value, to exchange mm-hmm value instead of just information. Mm. And that's a really powerful thing because if I'm sending money to Ghana or Nigeria, I send a thousand dollars to Nigeria or Ghana. It's a shell of its former self. By the time it gets there, it doesn't have the equivalent of a thousand dollars by any stretch. It takes a long time. It costs a lot of money, usually eight to 10% when I'm sending money somewhere else. Imagine if I could just send Bitcoin or Mm. Ether or some other cryptocurrency relatively cheaply in a short period of time. That's a game changer. Mm. And finally, governments are talking about it, thinking about central bank digital currencies, even in the United States and around the world. Uh, big money on the side is getting in. We have Visa and PayPal and, and, and uh, MasterCard. Yeah. You can buy Bitcoin right now on Cash App, right? Mm. So, uh, and final point, millionaires, decamillionaires are starting to get exposure in crypto. We see um, Elon Musk and and uh, businesses putting Bitcoin on their balance sheets. We have to pay attention. It's not going away. Bitcoin has been around for 11 years and counting, and we want to get in the future of money, and that's what it is. That is, we're we're definitely going to dig more into that because I have more questions as far as some of the um, business applications and some of the things that you do um, to help folks. Sean says, I only got 60 million for this gift. I need to learn how to make gifts and, 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 uh, and, and pictures um, or songs. I know my little brother, he does music. It's like, man, if I can just get a gallery of songs in there um, that can help on the NFT space. Um, but, and then you talked about value, right? I think that was another thing that came to mind as far as Nowadays, or with what Bitcoin does, is the transference of value. Um, and one of the things that I've learned in real estate um, is that value is or can be based on um, kind of market, like market, the, the, the market determines the value or the value of other things, you know, determine that value. And so what you are, how do you, how do you agree on what the value is for something, um, given given that it's such a nuanced, you know, and, fl- and and flexible thing, is there is there something in crypto or Bitcoin that helps kind of guarantee and have an, uh, a a a middle ground for what that value is? 
It's a great question because in order to figure that out, let's talk quickly about the dollar, for example. The dollar has not been on the gold standard for decades. Hmm. So what is really providing the value of the dollar? One is demand, but it's based on the full faith and credit of the United States. Um, another problem about what we call fiat or government issued currencies, we'll use the dollar as the example, um, there's no cap on it. One thing Alan Greenspan, former Fed chair, said uh, some years back, but it's still true today because um, I need to be fact checked a bit on the actual statistic, but 40% at least of the dollars currently in circulation right now have been printed in the last year. I think it's 43%, but let's just be conservative and say 40 plus. That means that you can be in an apartment today and a year later, they're going to rise the raise the price, but you're still living in the same place. Mm-hmm. It's just less valuable. <laughs> Today we can buy milk, and we can go a month from now, and it's going to be more expensive. It's the same milk, the same yeah. carton. Might even put less in it, but it's going to cost more because mm-hmm. of inflation. And so, when we think about, you know, I, I mentioned trust earlier. This idea also in the full faith and credit of a government that supports a currency. It's an agreement. It's an agreement that it has value today and it's going to hold its value over time. It's an agreement that more than just you and me actually hold a particular type of currency. It's an agreement that merchants are actually going to accept this and again, hold the value over time. So, and the final thing is there are not, uh, all cryptocurrencies are not created equally. We'll talk about Bitcoin tonight as kind of not only the OG, but one that has stood the test of time for 11 plus years and most like gold. Mm. Uh, It is often compared to, although it is certainly a medium of exchange, I could use it to transact and pay for certain things, but it's um, really right now, it feels more like a store of value. Yeah, That's the reason that the price has skyrocketed since I started my uh, program to onboard people into the crypto space. I call it from cash to crypto. Last year, the price was still under $10,000. So any students that got in with me on the first time, they're literally winning because the price is just south, I think, of 60000 and climbing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the reason is Bitcoin, the supply of Bitcoin is capped. So when mm. people talk about Bitcoin versus the dollar or something like that, and I compare it more to gold than the dollar, but let's stick with the currency model. Only and ever will 21 million Bitcoin be minted, created through, we'll, we may talk about blockchain. I, I mm. encourage you to take my free masterclass. I can go into it more in depth um, and talk to you more about the, the uh, mechanics of it, but there will always and ever only be 21 million. Mm. And right now there are 19 plus million in circulation. We are closer in time to the be- to the end of minting than we were at the beginning. So I can only imagine what the price is gonna be when there are no more being created and people are still holding or what we call hodling in the space. We don't know how much gold there is. Gold seems yeah. to be finite. Yeah. It is tended to hold its value over time, but it's physical when Bitcoin is digital. Yeah. Um, difficult to divide and transfer and store gold, but it's easy to divide and transfer and store Bitcoin because it's digital yeah. and so many other things. It's not controlled by government. Gold is controlled by government. So that's the way I would look at it as you're comparing and contrasting. There are other cryptocurrencies that don't have a cap, so you can't um, compare an Ethereum or an XRP or yeah. a statement to, to Bitcoin. Yeah. It's not apples to apples. That is such, that is, I, I never knew that there was a cap. So for anybody else in here that knew, um, thank you for not telling me or oh, right. withholding information. I never knew that there was a cap. Um, I thought it was just something that folks can create, um, you know, perpetually. Um, and that does, um, uh, lend itself to why the value going keeps going up, right? So there's only so many. And if folks are starting to adopt it, right? Tesla was saying, you know, you can now buy a Tesla with, you know, with Bitcoin and all these other folks that are doing that. Um, but we're going to get more into that. Folks, if you're still here, let me know. We're about to play a quick little trivia game in the spirit of Easter. So we got Easter coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So we are going to ask some Easter trivia questions. If you know the answer and you want to help the professor out, you can go ahead and type it in the chat. Our chat is a little bit delayed, so she might not see the answer until afterwards. So um, so we are going to play this game. So the second, and it's multiple choice. So um, I'm okay. sure all your days of testing is, <laughs> is done. I'm and very over. competitive, 
And so I'm slightly feeling some anxiety. I'm like, so you're gonna try to get you're gonna try to get hundred percent. So everybody, let's see how many. I think we have about seven or eight questions here. We we may not have time to get through all of them, but if you know the answer in the chat, let us know in the chat. So the second largest holiday for eating candy is Easter. Which is the first? Is it Independence Day, Christmas, Halloween, or Thanksgiving? Let's go. Let's go. Who's going to help me out? Who's going to help her out? We'll give you guys like five (laughs) seconds. So allow for the lag. So we have the second largest holiday for eating candy is Easter. We want to know which is the first. Is it Independence Day? Is it Christmas? Is it Halloween? Or is it Thanksgiving? Hey, my brother Ife is on here. (laughs) He is screaming. Why are you yelling, bro? Why are you yelling? (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't want to see me embarrass myself, but in my heart of hearts, I felt like it was Halloween. <laughs> I felt like it was Halloween, but just to make sure I didn't need to phone a friend because I still yeah. want to hold it out. There are a lot of questions. I'm going to go with Halloween. I'm going with Halloween. Halloween. Is that your final answer? Final answer. And Halloween is correct. <laughs> Thank you, Ifeo Lara, for bailing the professor and helping her out. All hey. right. So the next one is the idea of the Easter bunny was originated in the 1700s in what country? What country originated the idea of the Easter bunny? Was it Russia, the great U.S. of A., Germany, or Great Britain? If you guys feel like you know the answer on this Easter trivia of the idea of the Easter bunny was originated in the 1700s in what country? Was it Russia, (laughs) the USA, Germany, or the Great Britain? What do you guys feel it is? We got a few seconds. Professor, you thinking about it? Yeah, I like have an answer. First of all, I'm taking the United States off the map. So I'm focused. I'm focused. Oh, on they, they don't even qualify. They're not even on the no. board. They were not organized. They know what the hell was going on. 1700. We weren't, we weren't thinking about Hamilton. that stuff. We don't know. So yeah, I'm taking them off completely. <laughs> right. I need to watch Hamilton again. And there we so, go. I'm removing that. So like I'm focused on, now you said Germany or Russia. And what was the, th- and the UK, I'm taking the UK off. Too. They had their own problems. There's so we got Great Britain. So you're taking Germany. You're getting the Great Britain off. So the last options are Russia and Germany. I'm going Germany. Germany. Final you're answer. Going with Germany? Is that your yes. final answer? Yes. You got it. Let's go. <laughs> it is Germany. Wow. That is really good. I didn't even know that until I flipped the page right now. So. Look, this is how I got through the, the LSAT, and this is how I got through law school with honors. So Yo, let's go. Dust your shoulders off. There you go. There you go, boss. He <laughs> says <laughs> that Easter Island. All right, we're going to take uh, – let's see our time here. We're going to do one more question. We're going to do one more question. Um, <laughs> and actually, the second question um, – or the third question kind of goes with the first one. Um, the idea – of oh actually no we're gonna go to the next one the most popular american easter candy is what the most popular american easter candy is it chocolate bunnies marshmallow peeps jelly beans or chocolate cream filled eggs the most popular easter candy in america is Chocolate bunnies, marshmallow peeps, jelly beans, or chocolate cream-filled eggs. Anybody in the chat? Do you guys know any of our sweet tooths, sweet sweet teeth, sweet teeth out here? Uh, <laughs> what do we feel that it is, Professor? My two favorite things are on the list, and you either love or hate peeps. I have to kind of. America loves chocolate. Peeps are very popular, but does that mean that I guess somebody's buying them? But I don't know I if it's love really- your deductive reasoning. I love it. She is out here dissecting this candy. 
He's like, when I put this game together, I had no idea. I had no idea. Yo, this is, I am learning. This is a master class right here. <laughs> so it's tough. And I'm looking at the chat and they're as divided as I am. Oh, um, yes. We got candy corn. We got, oh, em Empress. Right. You don't remember? That's so it was chocolate bunnies, marshmallow peeps, jelly beans, right. and chocolate cream filled eggs. I'm going and jelly beans. You going with jelly beans? I, I in my I'm gonna be super sad if it's peeps because I also love that. But I'm going to jelly beans and and not just any jelly bean. It's got to be a jelly belly or it's dead to me. So I didn't even know other jelly beans existed. I didn't know. Do do I don't think they're even so. Your answer was jelly beans, and the answer on the page is. Marshmallow Peeps. Marshmallow Peeps. Oh, Dr. Muhammad, Jessica, you got it. She must have an inside track. Right? Darn it. You got it. No worries. No worries. But no, thank you so much for playing here with us. And we want to move back into our questioning here, learning a little bit. Folks, if you don't know, we got Professor Tanya Evans here with us. She is an entrepreneur. She is a, a practicing lawyer. She's a professor at Penn State um, at the School of Law there. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about your business, um, Madam CEO, Madam President, Madam Boss, Boss? Tell us a little bit about the, uh, the company that you founded. So yes, thank you. So in May of last year, I founded the Advantage Evans Academy. We have three pillars or three tracks for education, particularly particularly uh, for underestimated and marginalized communities. And I focus on three areas, all in the future, as we talked about earlier, the future of money. So I have the full 365 days a week uh, on-demand evergreen program called From Cash to Crypto. There's something for everyone. So there's a small, discrete module that is like 90 minutes. You get in, you figure out what a wallet is, you figure out what crypto is, you buy your first crypto, and then you decide if you want to proceed. Nice. Then there's, uh, and that's called Explore. And I wanted to provide a really just basic, accessible module um, that is self-guided that anybody can make their way through. And then I have Core, which most people seem to settle on. It introduces you to the topic and a lot of the things that we talked about, but I just go into greater depth. Then they set up a wallet, then also an, ex an exchange account and started, start to learn about the different types of cryptocurrencies, about exchanging cryptocurrencies, et cetera. And then there's the full bells and whistles, the Encore program, which is a, a uh, multi-lesson 10 module experience that uh, you have access to is self-guided, but also for core and encore, live coaching, bi-weekly coaching for me. And I've recently hired mentors because the the course and the academy has grown so large, which wow. is always the benefit. There's so many black women in particular from around the diaspora, but all people, it's open to all people. But I think black women see me and they trust me and I'm a, a professor, lawyer, all those other things. And maybe they're a, a first generation investor, usually in the, in the real estate industry, because real estate folks get it, right? That you're buying and sometimes stocks and everything, but yeah. they're afraid because it sounds like drug money and something that's out there and crazy they don't understand. But many of them take the encore experience to learn in addition to everything else I said, now we're learning passive ways to earn Bitcoin in particular. Um, uh, reading charts. So there's some lessons from the stock world, but how does that apply? In the crypto world, and learning about Bitcoin for estate planning, for taxes, and for security. So bringing my legal acumen as well. So Encore, the more robust plan where you learn not just how to get in, how to invest, how to passively earn, but also how to really strategize. And then the final thing is a, is a future of work portion that focuses on what is blockchain or distributed ledger technology and how um reskill or upskill to be relevant for the future of work. And then that takes me to the other pillars, the future of work and the future of entrepreneurship. And so I'm actually going to be adding the um, content of other folks who are working specifically in future of work and future of entrepreneurship. I would like very much to talk to you after we finish this about something and you care to add some content 
50-50 split. It's just about, you know, nation building and providing other op options because I have a ton of students who want to find out what's next. And so it's really exciting this year to have the vision this summer to start uh, releasing the work of others in one of those three pillars, future of money, future uh, entrepreneurship, and the future of work. So it's really exciting. I have three master classes coming up, as I mentioned earlier, and all of that is at AdvantageEvans.com. And, and so it's a really exciting time to begin to not just have that foundation, but to really grow from it. I had to mute my mic because we got the dog here. But oh, my goodness. I mean, you are literally the one stop shop. The most I mean, I'm listening to the different stages and modules and value and the offerings that you have. And it's really from somebody that is completely brand new, unawares. How do I even understand this stuff? self-guided, on-demand, just kind of grab it and go, bite-size, figure it out to the person that is saying, hey, this is what I want to do. And I want the strategies. I want the insights. I want, um, you know, when folks say as an investor, go and do your research, right? Always research, research, research. Yeah. Sometimes as somebody who doesn't really know how to do is like, where do I go? Like who, what does go and do your research mean? Right. They can really just go to advantageevans.com and get that research and not just the the book work, but guidance, the mentorship, right. the conversations, because sometimes you need anecdotes, right? Sometimes you need experiences and all those different things. So, wow. And so what made you come, you know, you said you started May of last year. Like, What was the thing that happened that you're like, you know what? I need to do my own thing in this space. What, what was that for you? Some of it were, was uh, the ability to create a space where I could be available to people 24-7 when I am not physically available to people 24-7. I was being con um, contacted because of the program that I created at uh, UNH Law that you mentioned earlier, the first blockchain cryptocurrency and law online certificate program. And that engendered a lot of questions. And I'm, I'm happy to do that. I spend all of my not so free time on, on the interweb and these internet streets, but I can't be everywhere. I can't speak everywhere. I can't do consultations all day, every day because my primary responsibility is to my law students, right? And to making sure I'm uh, showing up for them. So I was doing so many speaking engagements and other things. I decided how about packaging this in a way that's available 24 seven. I didn't start 24 seven. Um, and if I had waited until everything was perfect, I'm Lord knows I'm an, um, a high achiever. I do not claim overachiever, but I do sometimes need to go sit down somewhere. Right. But it's a way to, you know, technically work smarter, not harder and, and, and how people refer to that. How can I be available? So my the first version was a three week. I was taking cohorts and I didn't have anything really uh, recorded or anything like that. But for three weeks, I would show up once a week. I would record our time together and then I would provide resources. And every time I did that, that recording became part of the, the curriculum. The resources became a part of the curriculum. So I was building the course as I was going. I also invested in a course from scratch, which is done by uh, Danielle Leslie, a way to really figure out who my primary focus should be with her um, strategy and process for building. Basically, I was building the, the, the plane while I was flying it, which for me, someone who's very color inside the linesy, that does not always make me feel great. But it was a great way to get to know in real time the needs of people. And I, at first, I opened it up to many different people. But again, Black women in particular, women of color, uh, uh, people of color were flocking to the experience to find out I don't want to go to YouTube University anymore. Just please tell me what I need to do and make sure that I'm not going to be harassed by the government. Right. And so that led to what you see now, which is a more mature program. Um, I do a high premium event, five one on one um, clients per year. It's called Encore Ace. And so they in addition to all of the material, they um, pay really for my time to show up and, and to work one on one with them as well. So truly something huge to something that's very, very accessible, something for everybody. One of, one of the things that I that I heard in your story that I really appreciate is that you 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 saw the need, right? So it's like folks are coming to you asking mm -hmm. these questions, right? So it's like the demand is there. Um, and I I often tell folks and 
um, when they're talking about, you know, how, you know, when I'm thinking about creating a new business or being an entrepreneur, um, one of the things to think about, even when just thinking about your own strengths, right? When you're trying to figure out what your strengths are, it's like, what do people come to you for, right? Mm -hmm. What do people ask you um, um, naturally or maybe just not even knowingly? And if you can um, monetize that or package that in a way that adds value to folks and you don't have to start big, right? You just got to start, right? Like you said, you just started. I'm going to take a few guys for a few few weeks and that is going to be the thing. And then you take that card and you add it to the block, right? So now this is, becomes a course. And then you take the next cohort and you keep doing that until you can start scaling it. But it starts off with um, what is your strength, right? What are people coming to you for? What is your expertise? And then you can then take that and turn it um, turn it into something. Absolutely. And you have to get to know yourself too. So oftentimes, and you were talking about just various things in the crypto space, there's so much FOMO, fear of missing out that is coming, you know, head on and butting up against FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And so both of those things energetically just pull away from authentically without any BS, without anybody shilling coins, like take all of that off. Um, I hope that people will invest in particular in Bitcoin, but it doesn't move my needle one way or another if they do. I don't have a dog in the fight. It's about the education of the space and people being reasonably informed, having the tools necessary to make their own decisions. And I know our community in particular is really good at that. We're cautious. We're conservative. But you give us the right information and leave us alone and then we'll figure it out. Uh, women are very much like that as well. Very prudent, very cautious been burned. But once you get the right information in a way that's meaningful and you can see the value, not in this generation, but also in future generations, it's critically important to participate in the future of what money is going to look like and what value is going to look like um, in this next iteration of the internet, right? When we're not, again, exchanging just information, but value, because we missed the dot-com boom. It was a boom bust and settling into what we, the mature uh, internet that we see now, before we knew what was going on. We have a really interesting opportunity right now to use the same technology that kind of kept us on the sidelines to really participate meaningfully. And that's why I love decentralized finance and the, the idea, we're not there yet, but the idea of a more decentralized web. Because when I think of marginalization that has happened in technology and that has happened at finance and crypto lives at the intersection of those, Right. So it's just a microcosm of the other concerns and the problems and the challenges. But it's a unique opportunity to really figure this out because most people still don't get it. Most people are either still afraid of it or don't even know it. So sometimes people say, oh, my God, it's 60,000. And oh, my God, this is too late. Um, they said that one month ago. They said that one year ago. They said that 10 years ago. It's not too late, given what I said uh, earlier. So. Get in the game, figure it out. Read this book. Let me see. I'm like reversed. So I have to do this. Read this book here. Bitcoin and Black America, regardless of what you're where you come from, it is something for everyone to really figure it out and then figure out what your move is from there. I love that. We'll put that. So I normally publish like um, a recap tomorrow. Some of the highlights of what we talked about. So I'll definitely put that book in there. Um, as a reference. And, um, and, and then when you keep, when you talk about, you know, the future of money, I hear a couple themes, right? We talking about decentralized, we talk about, um, you know, the transfer of value. Um, if somebody was to ask you for a quick synopsis or a definition of what is the best way to describe the future of money, um, mm. How would you how would you define that for somebody? So when I think about the future of money, Bitcoin will be a firmly established currency. There are over 8,500 different types of cryptocurrencies. And just like there were hundreds of different <laughs> um, dot coms, eventually the ones that weren't going to survive fell away. You know, um, and I imagine that that's going to happen in the crypto space as well. It happens with every iteration of new technology. And that's the part of innovation. That's actually not bad. That's literally a part of information. I mean, uh, innovation. But what is also going to be around, um, separate and apart from, from Bitcoin, perhaps being the global reserve, which is why it's great to have it and hold it for now and just figure it out. But decentralized finance, <clears throat> something that currently is not exactly happening on the Bitcoin side, but with other types of cryptocurrencies like Ethereum, 
Um, and the Ethereum blockchain is a different type of blockchain. It doesn't function in the same way that the Bitcoin blockchain does. And I'll just say simply what a blockchain is, is basically a digital record of transactions and balances. That's all a blockchain is. And in most cases, it's a, it's, a, it's a database, but it's in a decentralized fashion. There's not one person or entity that runs and verifies a blockchain. It's verified by math and software. And it's open source software. So you can actually see it. People don't trust each other. They trust the code. Um, and so that's that might be a story for another day. But based upon that, the Ethereum network or, or virtual machine is basically like a world computer that is um, the type of soft uh, program or protocol, I should say, software that allows other um, uh, platforms to run on top of it. And we call that decentralized finance. So there are decentralized applications running on top of the Ethereum blockchain. And what is that allowed to do? Um, DeFi has like the potential to completely revolutionize or reinvent financial systems. It merges uh, like the scale and familiarity of traditional economies with the security and efficiency and transparency of public blockchains. And that is going to really be important for innovation and growth. Um, it allows people who may not be able to get a loan at the bank, but if you have Bitcoin, Bitcoin you can loan that out, you can leverage it, you can receive um, different types of cryptocurrency back, you can receive dollars back and actually use that loan. So you don't need a credit score, you don't need all those other things, you don't need a bank telling you that you're, you don't belong, you just need Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrency to leverage. So that's one of the many really exciting things that you can do in the decentralized finance or DeFi space that you can't currently do now with traditional finance. Man, and, and it's probably going to take, and do you see, um, do you see particular generations responding either faster or slower to these changes? Like, is there an assumption that, oh, because, you know, millennials or Gen Z are in that space, they'll adopt it faster or sooner or the older generations X or, or um, the more seasoned generations, um, um, you know, X or boomers because they've seen how traditional finance works. It's like, oh yeah, this is a much better way. Have you, have you seen that kind of shift generationally of folks that are adopting it faster or slower? You know, it's rough with boomers, but I will say that I've had some 65 plus People participate, women in, in, in particular, participate in my courses and they do great. Mm. My mom is in it. She texts me almost every day, like, have you seen Bitcoin? It's like, bless her heart. You better get it, <laughs> <Hey>, mom. <laughs> I think of some of the other women who are in because um, they want some exposure, but most boomers are missing it. When I think of my, <laughs> when I think of my um, conversations with money managers at various institutions. I won't put them entirely on blast, but just you can just across the board, except for like the fidelities of the world. Most of them have continued to say, this is garbage, this is ridiculous. No, 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 right? Um, they're getting left behind because it's becoming a customer service issue. Millennials get it, Gen Z gets it. Gen X, we're super cautious because we were latchkey kids, largely left alone. So we're have difficulties with trust, <laughs> but we also, and we're not digital natives like um, millennials and Gen Z, right? No. I didn't get a, I was like one of the first to have a phone in my car. I was a gym with my bag phone um, yeah. in my car. I was like the first one to have a computer in my room where mm -hmm. people were going to the computer la uh, lab at, at yeah. Northwestern, with the Northwest, Northwestern undergrad. So Gen Z, uh, millennials, they get it really because look at Cash App. Everybody, if you have Cash App, go to the fourth tab in Cash App. You'll be able to buy Bitcoin. It's ubiquitous at this point, right? So everybody get now. Open up your Cash App. Opening up my Cash App. If I have my phone near me, this is not my way of getting out of this exercise. I'm but I opening do. up my Cash App. Open up your Cash App. Go to that fourth oh, tab. Oh, so you guys can see there's a little button there. 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 That yeah. is... What? Can you Let's guys go. see that? Hello. That's right. Hey, 58993. It's brilliant. 
I left that, that I left that in my other pants pocket. I don't. I got. <laughs> this is the final point about Bitcoin. You can buy a fractional interest pieces goes, of it, right? Pieces of it. It goes to eight decimal points each. Um, uh, the smallest unit of a Bitcoin is called a Satoshi in honor of the person, whoever he, she, or they are. It's a mystery. We don't know. So might as well be a woman. We don't know. Um, but a Satoshi is the so, sounds about unit. right. Yeah. That's about right. So become a Satoshi millionaire, right? Become a Satoshi millionaire and let's figure it out. Let's get in the game, figure it out. Um, and you have all these opportunities and avenues to actually buy uh, blackbitcoinbillionaires.com is one of the um, hottest clubhouse rooms right now. They have crypto newbie, uh, which basically means you're new to the game. Maybe you haven't bought or you just you bought on Cash App but don't exactly know what to do next. They have okay. great educational pieces going probably every day. Yeah. It's, it's, you, we we got to get in the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel it. I feel it. Um, and I mean, I, I have... You saw the question. I said, I have so many. This is going to be like a four-hour uh, four session. And so we. I know some folks are on the East Coast. Are, you're on the East Coast, right? You're Maybe on the East Coast. Yeah. Some folks got. Say that again? I have class in the morning. You got class in the morning. So we won't take up too much of your time. But I do want to ask you this one question, right? The whole um, idea of what I've been doing over the last year or so is really trying to understand meaningful work, right? So making this um, oftentimes very cliche, you know, cliche, meaningful work, meaningful, just kind of thrown around, make it practical, make it real, make it um, chewable, right? So folks can actually apply it. So um, I've been asking smart folks like yourself, you know, what does meaningful work mean to you? And and how do you apply meaningful work to, um, you know, based on that definition, how would you apply that to the work that you're doing? So when I think of meaningful work, it's two things, something I do well and something I do gladly, <laughs> something that's not a chore to show up for every day and that I have a level of expertise. And that takes time. That's something that's going to grow over the arc of your career. I continue to um, educate myself in new things to remain relevant, but I also show up gladly with a, a full and willing heart. That doesn't mean that every day is perfect, but it means I do love it. Um, and, and, and that's slightly different than my passion. I have great passion projects. I'm a foodie, I'm an enophile. I will talk somebody's ear off just even trying to order from appetizer to dessert and whether the, the, the wine is from Provence or right, is it, is it red, was it what, lightly oaked? How was the toasting? Is it at French Allier Ballers? Right. Don't go out with me. It's a disaster. Right. So I have passions. Yeah. So any money. And I might even, mm -hmm. you know, something like that. So but being passionate and willing and eager to show up and and do work that keeps the light that keeps the lights on. That's yeah. what I think about when I think about meaningful and engaging work and being able to show up as my full self. Yeah. It's been the case, but I'm grateful one, to be an academic, it's a very free and freeing. It can be restrictive. I happen to be in a fantastic place. Um, yeah. Law is a fantastic law school. Dean Danielle Conway, a black woman. She happens to be a black woman. It's exceptional. So I love what I do. And I'm there because I want to, not because I have to be. Um, so that's when, when I think of meaningful work, it, it, that, that's what it means to me. I love it. Work that you do well and work that you do gladly. I think that is... Sometimes there are themes, right, and folks kind of defining meaningful work. But I'm always um, amazed when you know something comes out that's unique, right? That's uh, that's a different take on it. Um, and so work that you do gladly, because there's some work that you can do well that you don't necessarily gladly do, right? Absolutely. Like I'm I'm good at this. Yeah, I don't necessarily like it though. Um, and so those that combination there is very important. Um, so, Professor, we are going to let folks go. For folks that hung out with us, more power to you. Thank yeah. you so much for hanging out with us on this season finale of the Late Afternoon Show. Um, we're going to kick things back up in May. Um, we do have our, our guest slots uh, almost full. Um, we do have a few openings. So if you guys, if you, the Meaningful Work audience, our family, if you guys think of a topic that you would like to have discussed or a speaker or somebody you feel like, hey, 
they would vibe with Tim. This would be a great show. We want to hear what they say. Um, please let me know. I Again, I'm going to be offline for the next month. So email me, Tim at MrMeaningfulWork.com. Tim at MrMeaningfulWork.com if you want to stay in touch. Um, some folks have my cell number. And so if you do have that, let's stay in touch that way. Um, but if you guys are interested in anything that you heard today and I, you guys saw me, I was leaning in, I almost jumped into the computer because this was like a masterclass for me learning from, um, professor Evans, um, advantage right? That's right. AdvantageEvans.com. You have the whole library there. Um, and you guys just met the CEO, you guys just met the boss. So you're welcome for that introduction. And um, Tanya, anything else that you want to share before we uh, let folks go tonight? Wherever you are, start there. You know, the perfect, you know, the, the enemy of perfect is good. And there is no wasted effort at all. Some of, when I think about my very non-traditional path to what I'm doing right now, all of those things have informed my ability to show up fully, authentically, unapologetically, and gladly. For sure, since adding that into the mix, uh, into the mix. So start where you are. Uh, the best investment you will ever make is in yourself and in your future. So let's grow. Let's grow. Let's grow. And with that, we are going to say adios. Sayonara. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We will catch you back in May. Um, let us know what you think in the comments. Shoot me an email, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Until next time. Love, peace, and live a meaningful meaningful life. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Late Afternoon Show. Hey, if this episode resonated as meaningful for you, please consider subscribing, downloading the episode, liking it, sharing it with somebody that you think would find it valuable. And if you have any thoughts or ideas on people that we can talk to or subjects we can cover, shoot me an email. My email is Tim at MrMeaningfulWork.com. Again, that is Tim at MrMeaningfulWork.com. Again, thank you so much, and we'll see you on another edition of The Late Afternoon Show.